0: and rely on His promises every day. So let's read the Word of God. And today we're reading from um, Luke chapter 22, verses 63 um, to 71. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy, who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Christ, they said, tell us, Jesus answered if I tell you you will not believe me and if I asked you you would not answer but from now on the son of man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God they all asked are you then the son of God he replied you are right in saying I am Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for Luke, who um, captured all these points down and wrote them down. Uh, For those who've guarded this scripture over many, many years. And Lord, as we read it now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each one of us through us, through it, that we would see something fresh, and that you would instruct us, increase our understanding and how this is relevant to where we are now and the things that we need to do, and how we can press forward more deeply in you as this word of life takes root in our hearts. Amen. So, this passage, if you're expecting a um, a talk on persecution, you can forget it. That's not the direction the Lord has led me as I've studied this word. What the Lord has laid upon me is this phrase They didn't get it. They couldn't see. They didn't get it. They couldn't see. You know, Luke was capturing this word for the most excellent Theophilus, his friend, who he wanted to share an account of what um, the life of Jesus. And his letter was was probably written after um, Mark and Matthew. It wasn't written to Jews, it was written to Theophilus. And um, Luke says that if all the books were written of all the things Jesus did. It would, it would exceed any library. So why did Luke write such a short account of this part of the Bible? When you, what, when you read what happened in Mark and Matthew, we're going to read one of those in a moment, is so much greater. Why was it so short? And I believe that Luke wanted us to concentrate on a really key message, he almost bulleted the key points, and we'll look at those. So let's um, let's look at um, Mark's account in Mark 14, and just uh, just to give a little bit more context. So I'm going to read Mark 14: 53 to 65, and then just pick up on uh, verse one. Now, some of the um, some of the events. Uh, Luke has changed the order slightly um, and I think this is because he was trying to summarize the key points but you can see that there was a lot more going on in the background so they took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests elders and teachers of the law came together Peter followed them in a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest there he sat with the guards and warmed himself in the fire The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this man-made temple, and in three days will build another not made by man. Yet even then... Their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is the testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest answered him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? I am said jesus and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven the high priest tore his clothes why do we need any more witnesses he asked you've heard the blasphemy what do you think they all condemned him as worthy of death Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. And just jumping to chapter 15, verse 1. Early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and turned him over to Pilate. So, I just want to go back to Luke and just look at each of these verses because I think what Luke wants us to understand is the key points. First of all, in verse 63, he was mocked and beaten. Now often in sermons they can elaborate on exactly what that beating looked like and certainly the Roman beating that happened later was, um, was really vicious and I, I don't want to dwell upon that at the moment but the fact is he was mocked and he was beaten. This was meant to be a trial. He was insulted and we read that in verse 65. And this is before the Council of Elders. This is the highest court in the land, amongst the uh, in in the Hebrew nation. If you like, this is the appeal court, or the equivalent that we have of the um, the appeal court. So these were the learned men, those who'd studied um, the uh, the scriptures, those who made the decisions for the nation. That's who he was stood before, the council of elders. We read in verse 67, they questioned, who are you? They had seen some of the stuff going on. They wanted to know who he was. And there's quite a significance in that that we see. They asked him if he was the son of man. And what was his response his response was, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. Hang on, I'm just going to go on mute while I have a good cough. <laughs> you wouldn't believe me. You wouldn't answer me if I asked you a question. And then he says, I am the Son of Man. And let's just have a look at that piece. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. Jesus often referred to himself as the Son of Man. Now, in Ezekiel, God speaks to Ezekiel as Son of Man, making it clear where he has come from. Jesus, who was God, described himself as the Son of Man and makes the point that he's going to be sat on the right side, the right hand of God. And in those times where you had the king, the person on his right was the right-hand man, the person whom was trusted to carry out the instructions of the one who was uh, ruling Jesus became man, returns to his father to take up that position as a man. This is the position that we also have in the eyes of God, that responsibility that he has bestowed upon us. And I believe this is a prophetic word that Jesus is is making here. He is making the point that in the future, after Calvary, after he's died and risen again and his blood has cleansed us, we are then able to take up the position that God always destined us to occupy. So there's a lot loaded in this particular phrase. And that's why each of these bullets, I think, are really important for us to digest and think about. And then in verse 70, they asked him, Are you then the Son of God? And he says, I am. Now, this phrase for the Jews is heavily loaded. And we read in, um, in Exodus... Verse 13, it says, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, What is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, this can be quite confusing. But I think what God is saying here is, because a name describes who a person was in ancient times, I am is basically saying, this is me, I am. He is everything. He is everything. And I don't think in in our modern Western thinking we fully uh, comprehend the depth that exists In this phrase. But that is the phrase that Jesus used. And that's why they then started getting extremely excited. Tearing their clothes and running around like loonies. Because he was telling them. I am God. And that was just earth shattering. They had been looking for him. To say this phrase to declare this so that they could claim blasphemy. The fact is, either Jesus was being blasphemous, or he was God. There's no two ways around this. You've got to make a choice. Was he God, or was he deluded? And that's the decision that they were having to make. And in this council, they made their decision that he was being blasphemous. God was stood before them. The God who created the world was stood before him. And they treated him in the way in which we've just been looking at. They beat him. They insulted him. They contrived with false witnesses to come before him. Do we understand really what was happening in that courtroom at that moment in time? God was stood in front of them. Now in our home group, we've been um, uh, recently, we watched a couple of videos by Louis uh, Giglio, which was entitled, How Great Is Our God Tour? And if you haven't seen it, I do encourage you to see it. And what he's trying to do in, this, in his talk um, is just increase our understanding of who God is and how great he is, how enormous he is, how it just blows our mind, what he's capable of. And he pulls out a golf ball. I don't have a golf ball. I've got a tomato, which is roughly the same size. And he uses this golf ball, or I'm going to use this tomato, um, to just put a few things in perspective. So imagine this tomato is the world, and uh, you're on that somewhere, so give yourself a wave, all right? You're on there. So let's put a few things in perspective. And I'm not going to run through everything that he does, because he looks at the universe. But he starts off with the sun. And he says, How big is the sun? And he comes up with some extraordinary figure. But to put things in perspective, he then says, If the earth was a tomato, how big would the sun be? Well, the diameter of the sun, and you're going to lose me on camera, so I'm sorry about that, will be one, two, three, four okay here's the diameter of the tomato that wall is the diameter of the sun in comparison you can get 960,000 tomatoes inside that size sun and um, Louis Giglio does it far better than I do and he gradually goes through the solar system until he gets to the largest star, Canis Majoris, that a man has seen through the Hubble telescope and shows various scenes of it. So if the Earth were a tomato, and you were on that tomato, the diameter of Canis Majoris, the largest sun that we have so far discovered in the universe would be equivalent to the height of Mount Everest. Wow. All right. And you're on that tomato. Okay? And the number of, star, of tomatoes you can put into that, uh, uh, into that star is a very, very, very large number, which he does explain how big that number is and his memory is far better than mine. But if the earth were a tomato, and we collected all those tomatoes that fitted into that sun, it would cover the state of Texas by two-thirds of a metre. Our God spoke and Canus Majoris came into being. God spoke the word. In John, it says the word became flesh. Jesus was the word. Jesus was stood before them in that court. If God's that big, what can he really do? He's already brought the universe into being. That is the God who came down onto this earth. So what do we make of this? So the Son of God was beaten, was insulted, was dragged before these godly men. He declared himself to be God. And they failed to recognize him. When am I failing to recognize God? When am I failing to see what God is doing in front of me because that's the situation that they were in and whilst we can postulate on why the various scribes and priests made the decision they did some of it may have been because of their own agendas some of it was because they just didn't see it it didn't compute with their expectations when is God moving in acts before me And because they don't conform with my expectations, do I fail to respond or even act to frustrate his purposes? This is the challenge that I'm getting. And what do I need to do to change my outlook so I don't make the same mistake? I believe this is the question that Nicodemus was asking. So Nicodemus was one of the leading Pharisees of the time. He would have been in that court. And we read in John how he sought Jesus out. We read about this in John chapter 3. And let's have a look at that passage. Let's look at the first five verses. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council which we've just been looking at. He, said to G- he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know, not I know, we know, you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see So this term, born again, what does it mean? It gets thrown around quite a lot. In the 70s and 80s it's almost characterized the charismatic and evangelical movement. Some it was a big positive, others it, um, it became a sort of uh, negative phrase. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Well, Nicodem- I mean it confused Nicodemus. How, how can we be born again? Well, what is it referring to? And I've sort of gone along with this um, phrase, and I, I don't think I've fully understood it until recently. And m- most of you will know that um, Felicity, our daughter, has given birth to a baby, and that's where Tracy is at the moment, with our granddaughter, Lois, down in Brighton, and I'll be joining them this afternoon. And it's fascinating watching her development because we're getting daily um, WhatsApp videos, as you would expect which as grandparents we dote upon but what is fascinating is watching her development and because our kids are now in their 20s, I'd forgotten all about this stuff and you know, I'm not really into babies if the truth be known <laughs> but Lois is my granddaughter it's different but When Lois was born, all she did was feed, sleep, and shit her nappies. Feed, sleep, shit. Feed, sleep, shit. Feed, sleep, shit. And that's the way it went along. I presume I'm allowed to say that, but if not, you'll have to blank it off. But slowly, her eyes then started opening, and she would engage, just for short periods, and then you would see her watching what is going on. And there's no expression on her face, but you could see that there was a response there. She was starting to see, and we're, we're told by those who study these things that babies, first of all, can see in black and white and contrast, and then colour comes a little later. And what we're now seeing is that She started making expressions in her face. She was responding to what she saw. And she has little conversations with my daughter, Felicity, in many ways trying to mimic what Felicity's saying as she's talking to her. And now, I mean, she's three months old, her arms are starting flaying around the place, and she's starting to interact with things that are dangled in front of her. And she can see further distances. You can attract her attention. You see, her world, in terms of what she's seeing, is slowly getting bigger. She's soaking in information and starting to make sense of it. And she's starting to interact with it. Her perspective is changing as she starts to see and make sense of what she is seeing. I believe it's the same for us, from a spiritual perspective. As we see and understand more, it helps us to understand what is going on. In verse 6 to 8 in chapter 3, Jesus goes on in response to the question posed by Nicodemus. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. All right. So often we make decisions based upon what we see and what we hear as well. But the wind, you can't see the wind. And yet we know the wind is there because we can sense it, we can feel it. And we can also see the effects that it has. So in our world, there are things that we can see and interact with. We can even manipulate. But then there are other things in this world which we can't see, but we know that they're there and we interact with them. Our minds have developed to the stage where we understand them. Now, in the West, we can be quite arrogant in our thinking, and so we believe we've got things confined in a, in a box, we're understanding it, science has helped us in this. And science is a really good thing, because it does explain things to us. But it hasn't got all the answers yet. It hasn't answered all the questions. And there are things happening that we don't have the answers for. I believe the kingdom of God, what God is doing... is is bringing us the opportunity to understand even more. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will come and lead us into all truth. We couldn't receive the Holy Spirit because there was sin in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Holy God. So through Jesus' death on the cross, we can be cleansed of our sins and we can receive the Spirit of God who will lead us into all truth. He can increase our understanding. We can see the next level. We can see things that ordinarily you wouldn't be able to see or understand. Now, I'm either barking or this is true. And all I'm saying is open your minds. You know, if you look through your car windscreen, if you just stare at the windscreen and the dead flies on it and the muck... Actually, everything beyond the windscreen is a bit blurred. But actually, if you change your focus from the windscreen to the other side of the windscreen, you can see where you're going. You can see what exists out there. You see things in a different perspective. I believe God is giving us the opportunity to see things from a different perspective so that we can make those judgment calls. Paul expresses this in a slightly different way. He talks about renewing our minds. In Romans 12, verse 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will in Ephesians 4 verses 22-23 he says put off your old self which belongs to the former manner of this life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed by the spirit of your minds, the Holy Spirit speaking to us and opening up and giving us another depth Of understanding. You only need to look into this world and see the the battles that are going on, whether it's in our society at the moment where 79% of our young people feel lonely, where 63% of them have feelings of anxiety. UK is the loneliest place for the youth to grow up in the world. In the world! We rank third in the world for our young people suffering um, feelings of anxiety. But look at the technology and the advances and the development and the money that we have. And yet we see men and women who have influence and power using that power for their ends. That is not what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is about relationship, putting God first, worshipping him. And through the overflow of that relationship we have with them, we then impact this world and those around us. We support each other. God's agenda is different from the world's agenda because the world is being led down a path by Satan and he wants to destroy what God created. Let's not get this confused. The Son of God was stood before the council of the religious men in the Jewish nation, and they failed to see him. He didn't match their expectations, so they sought to frustrate his plans. The reality is that they missed out. They missed out on what he was wanting to give them. Although, evidently, God knew this was going to happen and he actually had a further purpose because Jesus had to die. He had to be a sacrifice for us so that our relationship with him could be restored. But given that situation, could we be making the same mistake in areas of our life where we fail to see what God is doing because he's not conforming to our perception of what God is or because he's challenging something that we're desperate to hang on to because of the emotions that it gives us because we think that is our security but God wants us to release that because he's got something even better he's a good God he's not going to fail us This is the challenge. To counter this, to counter the uh, um, missing out, to counter not seeing God, we have to allow ourselves to be born again, to allow our minds to be renewed, to see things from a different perspective. God doesn't want us to blindly follow him. He wants us to understand. He is light, not darkness, The light reveals things, not hides things. He wants to show us the truth so we can see things as they really are, not as we've been conditioned, not as the way in which we've been brought up and and led by the current thinking of our secular world. After all, we follow a God who loves us. God was stood in the council as man. He knew exactly what was going to happen. God was nailed to a cross, went through unthinkable pain and torture because he loved you. He loved me. Our Heavenly Father has good things for us. So let's step in to all that he has for us because he wants to change this world through us. And he wants us to return into an extraordinary relationship with him. He is our hope. He is our security. He is our rock. He is our lover. Let's pray. Father God. Father God, I pray that you would refresh our thinking. That you would give us today a a glimpse of all that you're wanting to lead each of us into. That you would show us today, each of us, Where are the things going on in our life that is actually preventing us from moving into all that you have for us? Where are our blind spots? Where are the things that we're hanging on to things that rather than being our salvation are actually our chain? Jesus, speak to us now. May these words that are of mine just blow away, but these words that are from you may they rest in our hearts and take root and continue to minister to us from them this week. I ask this in your holy name.